hours to put notes together to get to the conclusion he wants to get to. That is not the way I operate. The way he operates works great for him, but typically what I do throughout the week is I'll just begin to pray and ask God what direction he wants to go in, and I will make a note riding down the road on a napkin. I will have a conversation, and it'll be somewhere in line with the thought process I was having for Sunday or whatever it is, and then by the time Sunday morning gets here, I may have two or three videos I watched and maybe two or three people I've read, but it usually has to do with a bunch of notes that are just helter-skelter. I get up early on Sunday morning and I try to condense them into to such a way that I have a better understanding of the direction God wants to go, but also have the freedom to be able to allow the Holy Spirit to move in any given direction. I'm going to share some stuff today, and, and, and you may agree or disagree. It's some of, the, some of the mysteries of God that we know in part, because we, we prophesy in part, we know in part. And I'm not saying this is prophetic in any stretch of the imagination, but, but I want us to, to try to look at Israel one last time, and then, and then I'm going to stop until God says to come back to it. But I want to look at what's happening in Israel and Gaza and Lebanon and Syria. And, and I, want to, I want us to see it from a spiritual perspective, not just from a political or a geopolitical perspective. I, I want us to be able to, to try to, to ascertain what God is doing and saying in a spiritual sense and, and, and try to make sense out of it so we know how to pray into it and then we know how to respond to it. Does that make sense? Now, some people say, Joe, I, have, I don't care what happens. I don't care what, okay, that, that is your choice. I think it's the wrong choice personally, but that's your choice. So what I want to do is try to wrap everything up from the last three weeks and try to make some legitimate sense out of what's happening. If you have your Bibles, go to Genesis 12. Well, I'll tell you what, yeah, I'll just paraphrase it to get started with. So in Genesis 12, God goes to Abraham and says, hey, Abraham, I'm going to take you and I'm going to give you a land, right? I'm 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 going to bless you and I'm going to show you a land in which your descendants will go, right? So that's a promise of what? Of land. We, we need to understand that, that every promise that God gives, there's a significance to it, and, and that we have to understand that at the time that Abraham was called to do this, Abraham was still a pagan. You know what I mean when I say pagan? He didn't know who God was. He didn't have a relationship with God. He, his name was Abram, but, but he, through the process, understands that God's showing me a land, which we now call the promised land, which is now what? Israel, right? And just as important as Israel, the fulfillment of the promised land is the general area where the Temple Mount now is. Are you with me? Yes, no, maybe. 
So if we begin to look at it, we can say, okay, God, God could have picked any land. He didn't. He picked, it, he picked a particular land and said, Abraham, this is the land I'm going to promise you. This is the land where your descendants will multiply. And, and you need to understand that, that this is my heart towards my people. And Abraham said what? Okay, God, let's go. I think by reading scripture, I don't think Abraham knew exactly where he was going. He just said, God, if you lead me, I'll what? I'll follow. If we drop down to Genesis 15, there's a thing called the Abrahamic, Abrahamic covenant. Anybody know what the, the covenant is? Promise, what promises were there? Anybody know the three promises? That, that, that is the second one. The first one was the reaffirmation. There's a place called the promised land, and it is what? Yours and your descendants. So he promised them that there's this land that he's going to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And it would be a blessed land because People would see God through the blessing that came as an inheritance of the land. Are you with me? Yes, no, maybe. I don't want to go too fast. I want to make sure that we're clear on this. Because some would say, Joe, the land has no value. It's just symbolic. I choose not to believe that. I just, when we get farther into the scripture and farther into where we are today, I think it'll prove out that there is something significant about the land. The second thing is, which you talked about, was called lineage. What do you know about lineage? When we talk about lineage, what are we talking about? You'll be the father of many nations. Your son will be the lineage of many nations. So you have the covenant being land the promised land, the lineage, which is the son and the nations. And the third one was that the seed of Abraham would sit on the throne, which would be the birth of who? The Messiah. Yes, no, maybe. You said maybe. Why do you say maybe? Because you haven't read it yet. Okay. Yeah, you don't have to take my word for it. I wouldn't take my word for it either. Okay, so if we trace the lineage of Jesus Christ back, where is it traces to? The covenant with Abraham is partially fulfilled with the Messiah. So David traces his lineage back where? The promised seed was the one who would come. So there's this understanding that the Abraham covenant would be land, lineage, and lordship. Who is the Lord? Jesus Christ. Who is the Messiah? Let's just be honest. Who is the Christ? Come on. All the answers are Jesus. Don't get confused. Um, it's not a trick question. 
I'm trying to get us to understand that that in this scripture that there's this there's this promise of the Abrahamic covenant that again is land, lineage, and lordship. If you begin to, to look at it, someone asked me the question this week. Mike, what was your question you asked me this week? Do you remember? Okay. What's that? Correct. No. So we're going to, we're close. We're going to so if you have your Bibles, go to go to Genesis sixteen twelve. Genesis sixteen twelve. All right, can you read it again just a little louder? Who was that word written about? Ishmael, the son of Hagar. It says he'll be a wild man, ready? Now, can I ask you a question? What is your perception of a wild man? Crazy? He'll be a wild donkey of a man. Angry? Violent? Destructive? Stubborn? Rebellious? Ready? Listen to me. This is not my interpretation of what the scripture says, this is what God is saying about Ishmael, that he's going to be a wild man, ready? That he's going to be in conflict with everybody. His hand will be against everybody, and everybody's hand will be against who? Theologian? How do you process that? Huh? You're good with it. Ready? (laughs) Listen to me. This is what Scripture says. We we want to try to figure out what's happening in a spiritual sense. Ishmael is a son of Abraham, but through Hagar, and he's not the covenant child, and it calls what? Okay, I know you all have never done this. I asked this last week, maybe the week before. But have you ever known anyone who's had two children and they loved one and, and didn't love the other one quite as much? What happened in that situation? There's been a lot of friction and bitterness and anger because one felt like they were better than the other, or one thought, actually, it's usually the one who feels less who gets angry at the one who's been the promised child. Ready? The promised child really doesn't care because he knows he's what? 
the promised child. The one who's not the promised child has this, come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody got that relative? Come on, I know I do. I got one brother, man, and he's, he's, I hate to say it, he's just like Ishmael. I mean, he, he would fight the devil just to have fun. But when we begin to take a look at it and understand that the, there's this conflict, how long has this conflict been going on? We laughing at Chuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that wasn't a new revelation, though, was it? All right. How long has this conflict been going on? Thousands of years. Can't we just bury the hatchet? And the answer is what? No. Why not? It's beyond personal. I believe it's spiritual. I believe what's happening here is there's a spiritual thing because one's trying to find significance greater than the other. If you break it down and begin to look at it, the battle today is still over, right? The battle today is still over what? Land, lineage, and lordship. If you're Jewish, Judeo-Christian, it is through Isaac. If you're Palestinian or Arab, it is through Ishmael. And the Arabs and the Palestinian took over the, the Temple Mount and made it the Dome of the Rock because it's still about the land, the lineage, and lordship. And if you don't think that's a spiritual battle, I don't know what to tell you. Wow, I'm going to put something out there. And I don't know how many of you have ever traveled overseas to a nation where, I'll just bring it into perspective. What do you know about the Dominican Republic in Haiti? Dark. What part of it is dark? Haiti. Harry is horribly dark. What do you know about Dominican, Dominican Republic? It is lush and it is green. And the crazy thing is, if you look at a satellite image, it, no, most people don't realize it's the same island. It's just separated. Haiti was dedicated to who? Satan. It was dedicated to Satan, and they practiced a lot of witchcraft and a lot of voodoo. So when you begin to take a look at it, and Dominica is basically a Christian nation, and side by side, there's lush green, and there's what? Devastation. I see that as a spiritual implication that happens that plays out in the earthly context. Are you with me? Yes, no, maybe. Someone said, well, it just happens to be that way. No, it does not just happen to be that way. There's literally a dividing line between the two. What do you know about the modern Muslim nation? Who is the leader of the modern Muslim, modern being 
not today, but modern. Who is the head of the modern? Who do they worship? Muhammad. What do you know about Muhammad? He's poisoned to death. What do you know about Muhammad? He's a warrior. He came from the lineage of the wild man of a you trust Muhammad will trace his lineage back all the way to Abraham, but he does it not through Isaac, but through Ishmael. 622, Muhammad goes on a journey. Where does he go? In a cave, but where does he end up? At the Temple Mount. What's that? Well, where the Temple Mount is, right? Where all the first temple was, right? He's on the Temple Mount, which is the Jewish holy site, and says, I've had a vision and a revelation. I was pulled up into heaven, and it was revealed to me that the Jews have perverted it, that Sarah was not the mother, that Isaac wasn't the covenant son, and the lineage didn't go through him, that it went through Hagar to, to Ishmael, and now to us. Are you with me? Can I ask you a question? If you have a visitation from an angel, and what the angel shares with you is completely the opposite of what Scripture says, it probably wasn't an angel of light. It was probably an angel of what? How many of you guys believe in angels? I don't, you, you got neither hand up. I'm, I'm asking. What happened to the angels of darkness when they went against God? And we now call them, wow. If Muhammad had a visitation from an angel and it's completely contrary to every text from the beginning of time until 622, I have to assume, me, you don't have to assume it, I'm going to assume it, that the visitation he had wasn't from God, it was from who? Anybody know any other people who had visitations from angels? Anybody ever hear of David Koresh? Waco. Anybody hear of Taz Russell? Anybody know who Taz Russell is? The founder of the Jehovah's Witness Church. Anybody hear anything about Joseph Smith? The founder of the... Come on, do we need to go any farther? Look, I'm, I'm, ju I'm just trying to, to put it out there there would be a pretty good understanding that the encounter Muhammad had was not from an angel of God, but a fallen angel that you all called.
after the visitation that Mohammed had with an angel that said all of Israel is wrong, did the conflict get better or worse? How much worse? <laughs> is that when the crusades started? That was not part of my notes, but it is a major part of history. Because at that point, under Muhammad, the Quran says that you must what? Force people to convert or you put them to. If you don't follow Muhammad, we have one responsibility, that is to do what? Put you to death. You are an infidel. You're not worthy of Allah. I heard this from a gentleman this week, and I have researched it some. Anybody ever hear the word Allah Akbar? Anybody know what the word Allah Akbar means? What does it mean? God is great. What God is he talking about? What God is he talking about? Because there are some, there are some theologians that says the word Allah Akbar means our God is greater. Greater than what? Our God is greater than the God of the Jews. Anybody see a conflict? Anybody see an issue? I'm just, I'm, I'm, I can't tell you I've put 40 hours in looking at the word Allah Akbar. What I do know is that when ISIS fighters go and they feel like they have victory, the one thing they proclaim is what? Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar. Our God is greater. I'm listening. Your coexist bumper sticker is worse than wrong. Is worse than just the well. Yes, it's worse than demonic. Thanks, Steve. What makes this greater? They're all taxing against the Jews. I didn't hear what he said. What do you say, Jason? Gary, what'd you say? By following the Lord. Okay. 
the attacks today are based on land, lineage, and lordship. Ready? Now, I want to I want to try to walk through this a little bit. What is the significance of the lands to the Jews? Whether you agree with, with Jason and I had a conversation this week, whether you believe in replacement theology that that, that the, the Christian church replaced the Jewish promises and all those things, I'm not going there. That's a discussion he and I will have, and we'll probably discuss it a number of times through the next week. What do the Jews believe about the, the site of the temple? What do they believe about the site of the temple? Listen to me, it's important. Jewish tradition says that the dirt that God breathed into came from where? From the temple mount. Here I said Jewish tradition. I didn't say scripture, but the, the Jewish tradition is that the dirt that God breathed into at the, the, the dirt that God breathed into became Adam, and it came from the area of the Temple Mount. Well, the Temple Mount is it's not the same. Ready? I don't know how long you all been in Dorchester County. How many know the land is not the same today as it was 50 years ago? Right? So it's not the exact place. Don't miss the greater purpose and a greater understanding. Where the Temple Mount was here, and now it's 70 yards off. Stop. Just don't go there. Understand the bigger picture. So they believe that's where the dirt came from that God breathed into that created Adam. I believe it's Genesis 22. Don't quote me. It's the general vicinity where Abraham went to do what? Sacrifice Isaac. Listen to me. When, when he went to sacrifice Isaac, we have to understand the, 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 the day of what it was, but also the prophetic fulfillment that Isaac was a representation of who? Christ. That's a pretty significant thought process. Would you consider that land holy? Would you consider that a, a, a part of the promised land that God gave? Ready? If you look at David, for all his good and bad, David was in charge of the what? Ark of the Covenant. Where did the Ark of the Covenant rest for a season? What's that? With a, yeah, but from a Jewish perspective, the, the Ark of the Covenant rested on the Temple Mount. What did the temple, what did the Ark of the Covenant represent? The, what's that? The Word of God. The, the manifest presence of God. Remember the flame that came out of the end. The bud, the stat, ready? Listen to me. There was a significance of the Ark of the Covenant. It was so significant that someone touched it who was unholy, what happened? Where was the first temple built? We call it the Temple 
mount for a reason. The first temple was built where? On the mount. The second temple was built where? On the mount. Ready? The glory of the Lord, when Solomon dedicated the temple, said the, ready? That the presence of the Lord filled the temple where they could not what? Worship that they laid prostrate in the presence of God. Are you with me? You will have Jewish people today that say the land is not important. You have Christian people today that say the land is not important. If I read scripture, I have, to, I have to make the jump that that land is extremely important because it's the promised land that God gave to the Jews. Is this too deep? Is it too deep? Yes, Mike. Okay, so who put the territorial lines in and when the territorial lines come in? Nineteen forty eight, good job. Nineteen forty eight. Prior to that it was right, so so we have a tendency in our Western mindset to say what? We want to how many of you guys have property lines and you know where your property lines or your property are? How many of those property lines are not yours? It's all God's. Right? You may steward within the property lines, but it's not yours. It's really whose? It's really his. And so, so when you get into that argument, well, and someone said last week, well, the temple is not the exact same place. It's 70 yards, uh, 70, I think they said 70 yards over. Wow, really? You're missing the bigger picture of what God is saying about a people, a land, a lineage, and lordship. When the Messiah returns, who is he going to return to first, and where is he going to return? Oh, stop. Really? He's going to bust the eastern sky. He's going to come to where the eastern gate of the temple is, which is the, even though the temple's not there anymore, it's still the land in which he's going to come back and reveal himself first to the Jews and then to the rest of us. But some people would argue that there's no importance to that specific spot. And I'd have to say, what's that? I'd have to say I can't quite believe that. If Jesus, re if no, this is not going to happen. I know this is recorded. 
if someone came to me and said, Jesus is going to bust the western sky first, you all can look west as long as you want, but if I know he's coming, I'm looking what? Why am I going to look east? Because that's what the word of God says. Your opinion doesn't No, because even, even, even when the disciples went out, he said, first go to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Go here first, right? Whether we like it or not, the Jewish people are still the people of covenant. And yes, we have been grafted in. Dwayne wasn't here for that message. So if the Muslims follow Muhammad and Muhammad had an encounter on the Temple Mount, they changed it, the name of the Temple Mount to what? The Dome of the Rock. <laughs> the Jews and the Muslims are fighting for the place that God is. Muslims, Muhammad is on a temple rock. He ascends into heaven, has a meeting with the angel. Angel says, hey man, the Jews got it all wrong. It is not Sarah, Isaac, it is Hagar, Ishmael. And this is the place that happened, which happens to be the same exact space that the Jews claim. Do you see the 4,000-year battle? It is not just a battle over a piece of land. It is significant in such a spiritual realm that there's been a war in the heavenlies for how many years? Yes, sir. Bless them. The answer is no, and we shared that a couple weeks ago. The answer is because God said so. God said that Isaac, I think it was last week or the first week I shared, that Isaac was the son of the covenant, and Ishmael, forgive me, was a bad, I almost used the word bastard son, but basically a bastard son that would be a wild donkey of a man. He would be powerful and mighty, but he's not, he's not the child of the covenant. It's a contractual law. We, we shared that last week. You weren't here the week before. The contract wasn't with God and people. The contract was with God and God. God made a contract with himself that these are my people. 
I don't, love, I don't like that. I don't understand. I don't care what you like. God made a covenant with himself about the people. That should settle it. But it has not settled it for how many years? 4,000 years. Cain and Abel, Esau and, and Jacob, ready? So what happens is you can parallel any of the things I'm sharing with you now, and it begins, look, I, I, could, I, could, I could take this very thing and preach the rest of my lifetime and not be able to scratch the surface. And we're going to look at that in, in just a minute. But that, that's an important part. Ready? Go ahead. Someone grab me a water, please. <laughs> the blessing of a... Orphan spirit, Leith Hetland. Which provokes anger in rage, in discourse, to the place it becomes, I'm going to stop short of the word demonic. Other people use it. I'm going to stop short there. Everyone said, well, Joe, it's no big deal. I've heard Christians say it's no big deal. And if you watch the news or have done any research. Israel said this is our 9-11. And we say what? No, it's not. Only 1,300 people got killed. Thousands of people got killed in the U.S. It's not nowhere close to being as important as 9-11. And we just disregard it. My twisted demented mind began to look at the Jews how many people live in Israel 8.9 million say 9 million people if 1300 people died the percentage of the population would be the equivalent of 40,000 people dying on 9-11 what would we have done? How would we have responded? What would our attitude be? What would we stop short of? 
Oh, it's only 1,300 people. They've been fighting for thousands of years. That is just a cop-out from not going deep to figure out what God is trying to show us and to teach us. If 40,000 people died, that would be equivalent of wiping Dorchester County off the map. And there would be some people who would say it needed to go. Yeah, what? I don't know. Okay. I can give me, give, give me, give me a second. We'll get there. What is Hamas? An organization committed to the destruction of the land, the lineage, and the lordship. Listen to me. Don't miss this. Oh, they're just trying to kill Jews that they're at war with. No, they're not. They are going after the existence of Israel because Israel was a promised covenant and Ishmael wasn't. Well, what about, forgive me, Dwayne, this is going to get me in hot water. What about the innocent Palestinians? Who elected Hamas to run Gaza? Who voted Hamas in? Yes and no. You can say they took it over. But someone had to give them what? They caved into them. We could have caved into Great Britain, but we said what? No, we're not. We're going to stand for what we believe. Hamas isn't in power unless Palestine says what? Yes. Hamas, if you look it up, is the Islamic resistant movement. What are they resisting? <laughs> what are they resisting? Wow. <laughs> okay, right? They're resisting the will of God. I don't, that just makes me uncomfortable. I don't care. I, di I didn't write it. Why do you say it's anti-God? They're serving Allah Akbar, my great God is greater than the God of. Right. I, I got that. Okay. Stop. Can I ask you a question? When God flooded the earth, was there collateral damage? 
I mean, look, we can, we, can, we, we, we can go down this road as much as you want, but here's a reality. I am not God and neither are you. <laughs> I know, but it doesn't make sense to me. Who cares? So if you look at Hamas, where did the word Hamas come from? How many of you are surprised that Hamas is a Hebrew word? <laughs> well, the origin started in Genesis, I'll get the scripture in a minute, Genesis 6. That's pretty early. That's pretty early, long before the Arabic word. The word Hamas means violence by implication of wrongdoing. To be cruel, to damage, to be false, to be false, to be unjust, to be an oppressor, to be violent or violently wrong. Ready? I'll give you the Strong's number. It's H2555, Strong's Concordance. It is used 60 times in Scripture. Are you with me or no? Dwayne, that was a hesitant no. Yes. Do me a favor. Someone to go to Genesis 6.11. Genesis 6.11. Ready? It was corrupt. And it was filled with violence. And what did God do? This is when Noah was building the ark. God said that the world has become corrupt and has become violent. And I'm going to do what? I'm going to start over. And he flooded the earth. And all but eight people got on the ark. What happened to the rest of them? Look, what happened to the rest of them? God eliminated them because they were violent and corrupt. Israel says, we're not going to quit until Hamas is gone. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that's the mind of the Israelis saying we need to do away with evil, violent people who are going against the will of God because of what they have done by attacking Israel and attacking women and God has told the Israel people to take them out numerous times throughout history, and Israel has not. 
I'm not saying, I'm not making a statement that they should. I'm just helping us understand the mind of Israel at this moment that they need to eradicate what? Hamas. Not a people, but a... Now I'm going to get in trouble on this one. Spiritual foe to the promises of God. Yes, ma'am. Listen to what Israel said and didn't say. They didn't say our goal was to, ra- to, to rid the world of Palestine. It didn't say it was our goal to rid the world of Palestinians. I think that's where you're getting confused. It says our job is to erase Hamas. Because there's a war over land, lineage, and lordship, whether you like it or not. Ephesians 6 says, we do not wrestle against, but principalities and rulers of this dark world. That's why I come to the belief what's happening in Israel now is a spiritual war and not a geopolitical war based on a piece of land that's nothing but dirt. I don't, I don't believe that. Are you with me? Yes, no. You don't have to say you agree with me. I'm not asking you to do that. What concerns me the greatest is that around the world today, ready, and mostly on secular white college campuses, there is pro-Hamas rallies every single day. We are worshiping and praising the enemies of God. Yahweh. But what does the church do? What has the church said about the, 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 the pro, I'm not just saying pro-Palestinian, I'm saying the pro-Hamas, the pro-Hezbollah. Has the church condemned it? Has the church come against it? Has the church said, no, this is a spiritual battle, and Hamas is not of God. They don't represent God's people. They don't even represent the Palestinians. They represent the oppressor who's coming against the will of God. And the church says, oh, that's nice. It's 4,000 miles away, 6,000 miles, whatever it is. But if you don't think it's going to happen on our shorelines in the next 60 days, you have lost your mind. How many of it already happened? There's a synagogue ruler that was leader. How many days ago? Yesterday or day before? Right? Really? How many of you guys have heard great protests against it? How many of you heard anyone get upset by it? The attitude is, well, she's Jewish, she what? She deserved it. Look what the Jews are doing to the Palestinians. 
you're missing the point. It's not the Palestinians, it's Hamas. Here's where I'm going to need some help. Someone read Joel 3.19. Joel 3.19. Clint, sorry this is the day you came on. Mine says the blood of children. Anybody who looks at the raids that took place, whether you agree or disagree, God says, I have this against you that you took innocent blood of babies. What happened when Hamas went into Israel? Who did they go after? Women and babies. How many babies? Now listen to me. They have videos and pictures of Hamas decapitating infants. To this point, the count is 40. Do we think God is going to sit by and not be provoked? He's going to be passive? After he warned in Joel, you better not what? You better not do this. I'm going to wipe you off the face of the... Anybody know any other time in history was someone went after two-year-olds. Wait a minute, let's go, let's go, let's start before Herod. Let's go back to the beginning. Moses and Pharaoh said, let's take out every child under the age of two. Uh, that's right, Exodus, Pharaoh answered, I will go. <laughs> Sorry, Siri, talk to me. Thank you, baby. It says, pray for America, pray for, <laughs> that's what it said, I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Scary. So we see under Moses and Pharaoh that Pharaoh went after children under the age of two, and God said what? Yo, that's enough. Ready? What was God's response to that? The Passover. Right? The response to that was Passover. The Passover was whoever doesn't believe in God, ready? Whoever doesn't believe in the God of creation, the God of Israel, and the blood's not over the covenant, I'm going to do what? What happened to the blood of the lamb did not go over the doorpost. The spirit of death did what? Wow, he prote God protected them, right? Wayne, you brought up who? Herod. 
the Messiah is born. Herod said, man, there's this child of promise. The promise of what? That goes back to Abraham. We need to do what? Eradicate him. So we began to kill all the what? Right? He did not. Listen to me. Look, this is going to get political at this point. Netanyahu, I believe, under his own accord, the moment the Hamas attack attacked from Gaza, Netanyahu would have done what? Eradicated everybody. I believe it was by the grace of God that God said, hey, Netanyahu, give the Palestinians an opportunity to do what? Don't miss the point. Don't miss the point. They gave him opportunity. Ready? The blood's over the door. You can go out through Egypt. And Egypt said what? No, thank you. You're not welcome here. They were rejected by their own people. <laughs> I mean, is this something I said? Rabbis at Sunnyside. Yes. Wow. Ready? My very next point, go to Psalm 122, verse 6. My very next point, One, Psalm 122, 6. Ready? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Let those who love me be. When will this all end? How do we pray? How do we pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Come on. It's only going to happen when Christ comes. Because it's not a geopolitical battle, it's a spiritual battle, and you better not miss it. And it's going to continue until the second coming of Jesus Christ.
So, how's the timing? Someone, 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 I don't know the scripture number. It says that the, before the return of Christ, there'll be birth pains. There'll be wars and rumors of wars, right? There'll be earthquakes. There'll be all these things happening. Is it, I'm not saying it is, is it possible what's happening now in such a monumental amount in Israel is beginning the birth pains for the return of Right. It's closer, it's closer than, but it's closer than it ever was. But Jesus says no one knows the day or the hour. But you can begin to see the seasons as they begin to change. This is the greatest attack on Israel in Wayne's lifetime. He's old. Just trying to break the. The heaviness just a little bit. Right? Right? It not only happened on the Feast of the Tabernacles, it happened on the 50th year in the first day of the last war. The 50th year is called Jubilee. Come on. Ready? So if you, now I wasn't going to go there because it gets convoluted a little bit, at least in my mind. But you attack them on the Sabbath, the one commandment God says is keep the Sabbath and keep it holy. The Sabbath for a lot of Jews will now be twisted until the day they die because they remember the Sabbath, they're going to remember the attack on Israel and not the holiness of who God is. I believe it was psychological warfare that they did it on the day they did it. Yes, ma'am. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. She, she said, do, do you think that Israel says, God, why us? Kind of, every, everyone hates us, everyone comes against us, right? Is that what you're saying? Is that, that wasn't your thought, though. Why don't you come up closer so I can hear your thought? Ready? I'm going to ask you a question. If we were grafted in to Christianity, has anyone ever said in a Christian walk, I've had enough? And God's response is what? Have anyone ever, come on, let's just be real. Has anyone in this room ever wanted to quit their faith? 
all the time. And God said, what? Suck it up, buttercup. You signed up. You're in. You're not getting out. Hmm. Hmm. For now. And let's be honest, there have been more martyrs since 1940 in the history of the world for people following Christ that happened the first 1940 years after Christ. Because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. But unfortunately, we're not going to wake up to what happens where. It happened here on 22 years ago, and how many people were forgotten? And one thing I'm sure of, if you don't learn from history, it certainly will repeat itself. I shared three weeks ago, two weeks ago, I was having a conversation. I said, I promise you, in the next two weeks, Israel's going to go against Lebanon and Syria. And people looked at me like I had three heads. Who is Israel bombing now along with the Gaza Strip? Who is Lebanon shooting missiles and shells at? And the U.S. Because we are the great Satan who supports Israel. If you don't think it's coming to our shoreline again, and you don't think it's going to show up in our backyard, you have lost your mind. How many of you guys feel encouraged? Come on, Mirabella. <laughs> I have seen, I have. I am not against the Palestinians. I'm not against Arabs. Please hear my heart. I feel like God died for everyone and has a purpose for everyone. But if you want me to stand in support of Hamas or Hezbollah, you better put a bullet between my eyes because it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Am I encouraged? I am for one reason. If I look at the season and the time, I know it's getting a little closer to what? For him to come home. Can, can I be honest with you? This, this doesn't sound really, maybe I shouldn't say it. The church isn't apathetic. The church is pathetic. The church is no different than the days when Hitler was massacring the Jews 
it just says what? Put on some new lights, turn the music a little higher, clap a little harder, and pretend like nothing's going on. I shared with someone today, are, are there days I wish Jesus would come back today? Come on. More than you can imagine. Pastor, you can't confess that. I don't care what you think I can do. I confess it. I'm not the only one. Paul even said what? Hey, God, if you're ready to take me home, I'll take me home. But if not, I'll stay a little bit longer. Right? Elijah said what? Hey, God, let me just stand in this broom tree and take me home because I don't want to do what? I'm done. Here's a revelation. The problem is you're not done until what? until you get A1 on you, because that's how stakes are done. You're not done until God says you're done. I think that's part of the problem is we, we're not alone. But what frightens me the most, what frightens me the most, honestly, is the liberal stuff and the indoctrination that's happening on college campuses every single day. It's not just there, it's in the Senate. It's in the House. Some Jewish people condemned Hamas and they were ravaged by the press. And Tlaib and AOC supported Hamas and they celebrated them. And our nation's capital and the leaders of our nation have no clue what's happening. How do I pray? How do you pray? God, bring revelation. God, God show us as a nation. God, show our leaders. Wake them up. God, send a prophet to the House, to the White House, to the Senate House, to the House of Congress. God, send the one with the voice calling in the wilderness, saying the Messiah is on his way. We better make the right decisions. God, send the prophetic voices into our college campuses that will stand in opposition of the enemies of God. I believe that God is waiting just like in the days of Isaiah, who shall I send? And he said, Lord, send me. I will go. Father, we just come and ask that you would continually speak. God, that you would continue to illuminate your word and to give us revelation of what's happening in the spiritual sense. God, not that we would act in fear, but that we would begin to pray into your will 
in the midst of the circumstance and situation. Father, open our hearts. That yes, that we would pray for Israel, that we would pray for the Palestinians who are ignorant to what's happening in the spiritual realm. But God, when you ask us to pick a side, God, we are going to choose you. Father, I pray for the protection of everyone in this room. I pray that for the blood of Jesus to cover us, to strengthen us, to give us a sense of direction. Father, right now we bless your holy name. We stand on your covenants. We stand on your word. And God, our heart is to live in relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. That one day we will experience the fullness of all your promises. And that we will glorify you for eternity. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name.